0: Hello again everyone. At the risk of my first podcast running a little bit vapid on information, I thought I'd expand a little bit on the psychology of why certain songs are chosen, despite the difference of the context in the movies that we discussed. In an article by Ola DJ Paris, a composer and entrepreneur from the Republic of Georgia, he discusses the why behind the choices that scorers and directors make. He actually poses the question, Why do we have these emotional associations with certain musical elements? And why do we have the ones that we do? A lot of it comes from specific combinations of instruments to represent these moods that we experience. For example, when we hear a high melody played in a major key, our minds immediately turn to adventure or heroism. The themes of movies like Superman or Indiana Jones are perfect examples of this, with their theme songs all having high-pitched sounds and instruments present and playing in the major keys. In the same vein, woodwind instruments are used within music to evoke farce in the audience. It seems as though that these decisions by composers and movie scores are completely calculated due to the instrument that they choose to use, especially when composing a specific piece of music for a film. This intrigued me. For the longest time, I was actually under the impression that a lot of movie scores choose songs solely on the basis of seeing a scene and hearing a song and being like, oh, this is a great fit. And while this certainly might happen, it's really interesting to learn about the subconscious implications that different types of sounds bring. It also brings up an important question though, which is, why do we have these associations with instruments or these genres? A key to understanding this is to look at the history of music. The last 800 or so years of music can actually be broken up into certain time periods that have created these subconscious biases to certain sounds. These eras span from roughly 1150 until now, and in chronological order, we have the medieval era, the renaissance era, the baroque era, the classical era, early romantic era, late romantic era, and the post-great war era, which is basically where we end up at today. While each one of these eras were certainly contributors to our emotional connection to sounds and instruments, the times where most of these nascent relationships became more established were during the baroque and romantic periods. The Baroque period is known for having created the clear delineation between happy and sad music. While both major and minor sounds are thought of as pleasing per se to the ear, minor, as you probably know, is for sad and major is for happy. Famous songs in the minor key are the Godfather theme, the Imperial March, Darth Vader, and the Kill Bill theme. Major key songs and uh, theme songs are the Indiana Jones theme, the Magnificent Seven theme, And the list goes on. What isn't pleasing to the ear, though, is dissonance. This is used to accompany scary or unsettling scenes within film. The Jaws theme or the shower scene in the movie Psycho are perfect examples of this. After the Baroque period, we have the Romantic eras. Now, these eras did a really good job at expanding this idea and complexifying the simple major-minor dissonance ideologies and strategies. They added genres with a sense of heroism, Great tragedy, as opposed to just sad. Deep romance, and more. Film music leaders like Franz Waxman, Enric Korngold, and Max Steiner all came from symphonic music backgrounds, and they used their knowledge of music to lean into certain instruments to greater enhance the feeling that music produces within film. Now that we've established that certain note combinations are meant to create certain moods, It's important to now understand our own psychology and how it reaches a conclusion about music and what the emotions are that become evoked when watching a film and hearing the music associated with a certain scene. So, when a movie score works well, there are a number of different contributors. Firstly, the music needs to communicate that which is unspoken. As such, a lot of the times the music should be used to reflect the character's mental state and should do so in a different way than words would be able. Its meaning should transcend the limitations of speech, as Paris wrote. Jerry Goldsmith's score of the movie Basic Instinct heavily leans into this idea, and he uses music to bring out the inner conflicts of the main character. As the lead, Detective Curran started to go mentally off the rails. The music started to align less and less with what was going on, and this represented how confused and distorted his mind slowly becoming. While it's obvious that he is struggling, Goldsmith's use of, and I quote, dissonant string swells and interpolated notes remind us of this inner conflict. Another indication of a good score is that it tells us the mood and could perhaps be used to tell the story as if to substitute the dialogue if there were none. Philip Glass's score of the documentary Pawakatsi is a perfect example of this, as the movie completely lacks dialogue but still has a very cohesive story through its use of music. Below, I'll include a clip of this to highlight it. The music in a film should also foreshadow, and let us, the viewers, know what the world sounds like. By getting insight into this world and the aura of the characters in the film, audience members will automatically feel more engaged and immersed in a certain production. Many composers and scorers follow these formulaic strategies because they work. But others have a much more avant-garde style, and see how far they can stretch the malleability of these emotions and people's connection to music. Hans Zimmer did this in his score of Dunkirk, where he made the depiction of the battle a sound-design-heavy sonic palette that made the events of soldiers in soldiers' costume be understood through the modern ear. The true challenge of the composer and the director is to decide whether to abide by these established conventions and maintain the status quo, or go against the grain and surprise the audience. This is why I touched on how competitive the industry was in the other podcast, because each composer or movie scorer truly does bring their own values and ideas about cinema and music. I hope you all enjoyed this brief history and this extended lesson about movie scoring and helps you better understand the choices that were made in the scenes that I presented in my video and that I spoke about in my other podcast. I hope you all have a wonderful and blessed day.